Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We are in the 2016 football season. Not that USC fans are all that happy about it, but we got to talk about it. Uh, it's therapy. We call it uh, fan therapy here on the Peristyle Podcast after the uh, 52-6 drubbing by the defending national champion Alabama Crimson Tide. USC had nine months to prepare. Looked like they had about nine minutes to prepare. Uh, obviously, a lot of questions from you guys. I actually did a solo podcast. You can check it out on peristylepodcast.com. Yesterday, as I was flying back from Dallas, I recorded one in the airport to knock out some questions. I think I only made a dent and maybe created even more. You guys have sent in so many. We're going to try to get to each and every one of them. And Coach Harvey Hyde is going to do his best to address all of your concerns and give his thoughts on what's going on with this USC football team. If you have any questions, send them in podcast at uscfootball.com or leave a voicemail 641-715-3900 extension 816-646 or go to our website peristylepodcast.com click on the left side of the page and you can leave a voicemail right from your computer or device try to keep them short especially now we're getting two minute voicemails i'm not playing those we're getting paragraphs and paragraphs of emails i'm not reading those keep it concise if you want to post a long post, go to our website on uscfootball.com, post on the Peristyle, post on our message boards. You can post your long thoughts there. We have to keep them tight here on the Peristyle Podcast because there is so much to get to, so many people writing in and calling in, and we do appreciate that. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes, just to, so you know, itunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. We're on Google Play, Audio Boom, uh, Stitcher Radio, so many ways to get a hold of us. Now with that out of the way, I want to bring in the coach. Harvey Hyde. Football's back, Coach. What's up? Well, it's Labor Day, but we're working because when we do uh, what we do and we like what we do, we'll do it any day. And, Ryan, again, I want to welcome you and all of our listeners out there. It's been a rough weekend, not only for USC, for a lot of schools out there. It's a rough weekend for LSU, Mississippi State, uh, uh, man, Iowa State getting beat by Northern Iowa. I mean, uh, how about uh, Northwestern getting beat by Western Michigan? Uh, Richmond beating Virginia. I mean, uh, so there's a lot of uh, schools like Oklahoma that are reevaluating, reevaluating everything and saying, why? How can this happen? Well, I think that's the exact situation uh, USC is in it currently right now, is reevaluating on who we are, what we are. What is our, our identity and what went wrong? And uh, remember, everything we talk about on this show is just our opinion. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I get criticized a lot for my opinion by people out there, which I deserve to at times if you don't agree with me. But I think we've talked about this over and over and over about the little things that make a difference. And the termites can eat a whole building down. And uh, we'll talk about as many of those termites as you want today. Yeah, I think there's uh, lots of termites in this USC, <laughs> USC building right now. Wanted to thank our sponsor before we jump in, Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com, upcoming home game against Utah State. If you want tickets for that or anything else, go to sctickets.com or call them at 
888-528-7287, and they will hook you up. And wanted to thank, uh, welcome everyone in on a Labor Day. Happy Labor Day. Uh, I didn't even realize that, coaches. I'm coming into the office to, to record the podcast. Football season is his own thing. I, you know, days don't matter unless it's Saturday for the football game. But I'm like, where's everybody in the parking lot? Oh, yeah, okay. Um, it's Labor Day, so people aren't working. Uh, okay, so lots to get to. Before we jump in, I know there was a lot of people t- trying to tune in to you on Sunday morning, your normal Sunday morning show. Maybe kind of give people an update of, of what you're doing now, where they can find you on the radio uh, talking about USC football outside of the Peristyle podcast. Well, thank you, Ryan. Yeah, I did get a lot of people asking me and uh, calling the station and saying, what happened to me? What happened to me? Where am I? I am not doing so. People understand I'm not doing the pregame show any longer on uh, the other station. Uh, for USC, and I'm not doing the Sunday morning brunch on the other station. But I have tried to substitute that by getting airtime on other stations that I can try to get to you, our listeners, and explain to you my feelings. After the game, every Saturday, after the game, every Saturday from 9.30 to 10, I'll give you my immediate opinion. I'm not taking calls on that half hour because it's impossible to do in a half hour. But you can go to AM 720, which is KDWN Radio. You should be able to hear it anywhere here in Southern California or anywhere in the 14 Western states. It's got a powerful signal at that time. That's why I selected that time. And maybe sometimes the games won't be over by that time. But we're going to do it, whether the game's on uh, 11 o'clock game on a Saturday or Thursday game or Friday game. We'll be on every Saturday night from 9.30 to 10. That's KDWN Radio. You can get it by app. You can go on the website. You can get it. Then on Wednesday evenings, it's going to be a midweek college football report show, which will be mainly all USC football, okay? AM 8.30. That's KLAA Radio, the Angel Station, 7 to 8 p.m. And uh, that's going to uh, be available for you to where I can take calls. I'll do a segment where I explain you my thoughts. I'll take calls. I'll come back. We'll do another segment. Then I'll take calls. So that's 7 to 8 p.m. So mark it down. And uh, I hope you join me there. But, again, I'll always be here with Ryan here on our uh, podcast. Yeah, um, which is – so we're you know we're going to try to do a bunch of podcasts this week. I did one yesterday. We'll do one with a coach today. A lot of uh, – lot of talk about the game and the team. We have a ton of questions about the head coach. I'm going to try to get to some of the team stuff first, and then maybe we'll end the, the show with all the questions about uh, head coaching. And, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of people seem to be jumping off the Clay Helton bandwagon, to say the least. So we'll try to address all of that. Um, let's go. Let's see. So we'll start with uh, Nick. He says, I was wondering, what are your thoughts on best-case, worst-case scenario for the season. I'm pretty confident that we will beat Utah State next week, but after that, my confidence starts to dwindle tremendously on what teams we can beat in the Pac-12. Nick. Well, Nick, uh, I agree with you, because whenever you prepare for a game for a whole year, okay, a whole year, and you work hard, and you think you're ready to play, and then all of a sudden, uh, you bomb it. Yeah, you start to question yourself. And not only is it, the game's over, but you read about it all week. You hear us talking about it all week. You have to go to class today, and all the students and teachers talk about it. 
in the mess hall, they talk about it. In fraternities, they talk about it. It never goes away. So you don't have a chance to say, hey, we got to play Utah State next week. Now, Utah State was a winner last week, I think 45-6 to six over Weber State. Hey, it's a win. So they're upbeat. And every time you lose like that and people watch the game, it gains confidence for them saying, man, they're not who we thought they are any longer. Uh, they're beatable. So now it's tougher for you to walk in and do your intimidation act, which you normally used to do in the past as a USC Trojan football team. So those type of performances all of a sudden give other teams more confidence in beating you. So that's the first thing. And the next thing, you can't talk about it all week. Like you've heard me say these things over and over and over, and it's nothing like something I'm saying new. What you do is you keep that game, and you, you show it once, the parts of it you need to, and you flush it down the toilet. Excuse my, my way of describing it. But that's where it should go. Gone. Finished. Everything that you should do wrong, you did in that game. So you let it go and you start back with fundamentals. You start back with building back the confidence of these kids. Because right now, these kids, they've worked one year for that football game to be humiliated on national TV. Where also the Pac-12 was really personally uh, humiliated. Because the Pac-12 is always talking about we don't get exposure, we don't get exposure, we don't get exposure. Well, you got some great exposure there, okay? I so, think I, I don't know if that was exposure or exposed. I mean, either. yeah, <laughs> you, you, you got the point, right? <laughs> All right. But, oh, go ahead. So you know that's where I feel. So you know we got to move on from that. That's over with. You got to get Utah State. Flush it down the toilet. All right. Uh, we're still going to talk about the game a little bit, Coach, because that's what we do here. Um, Percy wants to know, who should start a quarterback? Well, you know, what happened on Saturday wasn't the quarterback's fault. Agree, 100%. Max Brown. Yeah. Excuse me? Yeah, I think you put, you know, Joe Montana back there, it wouldn't have mattered. Uh, it, it, you could have put anybody back there, okay? Doesn't make any difference. When you play that badly on offense, as far as from every aspect, from the routes, from the routes being called, against the second day, for the pass blocking, for the missed assignments, uh, to to every portion of it, no, no running game whatsoever. Uh, you know, and, and you've heard me talk about the offense. The offense doesn't fit the personnel. You're getting tired of me talking about this, but you see what the offense can do with a Kaiser? You see what the offense can do with Hurts from Alabama? You saw this freshman. He he adds something to it. Well, USC doesn't have that. Now, you've heard me say they recruit pro quarterbacks, but they run the run-read option. Why? It's no read. It's a handoff. And when you don't have a running game, what does play-action pass mean? They don't care about that. So, you know, Max Brown, Sam Darnold, they ought to get a purple heart. <laughs> I, I, I would have a ceremony today and give them a purple heart medal to be able to go through what they went through. I think they did a good job concerning the facts. Um, Coach, this is a question that comes up a lot. It's kind of one of those debates, uh, coaching versus talent. But Robert in Newport Beach wrote it and said, Ryan, I'm saltier than the Dead Sea at the moment. That's pretty salty. All this talk, we hear about talent this and talent that. 
Is it possible that maybe we just aren't that talented? Is it really that difficult to coach a truly talented team to perform well? Thanks and fight on. Robert in Newport Beach. Well, you know, I think you're talented, but there are times when you see what real talent is and what real coaching is. And when you have real talent and real coaching, it certainly does make a difference. And I think that was demonstrated as far as great talent being coached by great coaches with a great scheme and a great purpose and a great idea and not many mistakes being made. As far as beating yourself, you don't play great football teams and beat yourself. And I don't have to go through the things that USC did to beat themselves from penalties and nine straight three and outs and a fumble on a punt like a guy acts like he's never been, been there before. I've seen Pop Warner guys pick up a ball and run around and punt it. I mean, really, and and throw a pass in the middle of the field down there on the 10-yard line or 5-yard line on third down, and and not even enough for the first down, and and then have it intercepted. Defense played damn good football in the first half. I thought so, too, yeah. They did. Damn good football. They only gave up 10 points. Hell, you're better off throwing a streak pattern down there, and if it's intercepted, like a punt. There's two minutes and 36 seconds left in the first half, and you get out of there 10 zip. Throw a ball over the middle. Nothing bad can, everything can, bad can happen over the middle of the field down there. And I don't want to get through all the play callings and all this and all that and all, you know, this. But it's it just not the talent necessarily, but yet it acts. And when I watch the offensive line, nothing against any individual player. You've heard me talk about this. They, everybody's telling you how good they are. But you've heard me talk about them not being athletic. You've heard me talk about them missing blocking assignments. You've heard me talk about them not possibly being in the great condition. You've heard me talk about these guys don't try to bite people's ears or, or, or they're mean guys. Nothing against them. But when you play guys that do that, then obviously, one team is going to be stronger than the other team in all those areas. And it definitely showed up. It just definitely showed up that the other defense was tougher and better than Alabama than the personnel that USC had and the confusion that went on on the offensive line. But it didn't all the kids' fault. I uh, agree with you there, Coach. Um Okay, I forgot to mention Liam Marino Valley wanted to know about Jalen Green, about playing. And, uh, I mean, Sam Darnold's an athletic quarterback. I, like, like coach and I said, I don't think the quarterback was the issue there. So putting in Jalen Green's not going to fix, uh, that kind of a thing. But you mentioned the offensive line coach, Neil from Manila. He said, in my opinion, I thought the offensive line really was a question mark, whether they could get off the hump. And clearly they are not. Uh, any better at all if the offensive line played well do you think everything would have fallen into place and do you and do you guys think the offensive line is beyond saving as neil calloway has not helped uh seems that even if they rush for 300 yards against utah state they don't look capable of holding their ground against the likes of bama utah and stanford thanks and fight on neil and manila well you know before the Alabama game, I watched the Stanford game, as most of you did, and I said, you know, Stanford is good. They don't beat themselves. They have a Heisman Trophy candidate. 
but I don't think they're as good as what they were last year, especially on the defensive side of the football. And I was hoping that USC would perform better at Alabama, and I said, even if it's close, and you heard me say this, they were playing the number one team in the country, just keep it within the spread. You can come home, feel positive about what you've done, beat Utah State, you got a shot at being Stanford and then going to Utah, and you could be end up possibly 3-1. and one. This is my thought before the game. Now, with the performance right now of the way the team played offensively, because I give the defense credit, and what hurt the defense later on, they brought in Ertz, who's the athletic quarterback who can run and do it all, and that really caused problems for the USC defense which is something USC can't do. So I, the offensive line <laughs> just doesn't look athletic to me. Just doesn't look athletic to me. And doesn't adjust to different things that the defense does. They can't pick up stunts. Yet, as the game went along, Alabama didn't have to do many stunts to do anything because they were so overpowering cross-charging and coming hard and just rushing four guys. They didn't need to do anything else. Everybody was running for their lives. So the offensive line right now against the defense and probably the number one defense in America got an F. And and it's a combination of, uh, first of all, knowing your assignments. If you don't know your assignments, you don't know who to block. You can't be confused. Being athletic. Being in shape, being smart, as I always say, you got to be smart to be an offensive lineman and finish the block. I don't see them finishing the block. I don't see them getting off the football. I don't see them dropping back in a good pass-blocking position to block the corners and the, and the inside guys. I just don't see it. And then you saw one time when two guys blocked, I don't want to use names, the same guy, and one guy went free and just smacked Brown. So right now I would say the number one thing that needs to be corrected on the offense is the offensive line, the play calling, the routes that are going on. To me it looked like 31 flavors again, and I can see why the ice cream was melting, because nothing worked. I love that, and that's great. <laughs> uh, well put, Coach. Um Tark wants to know, would it be beneficial for USC to go under center more often? Seems like it would help the run game. And the offensive line. Well, you know, I can agree with that and not agree with that. I can agree with it because when you are in the shotgun, you're watching the ball rather than reading the secondary. You got to catch the ball and then you got to read the secondary, but you're sort of trying to do both at the same time. When you take it under center, you're dropping back and you, but immediately you have the ball, you can read the secondary and the reads on exactly what's going on. So I can agree with that. But again, the way they were coming after you, it's very difficult. But again, did you block solid? Block to the outside with a two-back set. And when you're having that type of pass rush, you all take a step to the inside. You call it max protection. Everybody blocks to the inside where you don't get confused. You get in a good position. You send your, you keep your tight ends and you're back to the other side. Or you keep both backs in. 
and you start reading the secondary and running routes against the type of stuff that they're doing to you. You test their secondary, which is a damn good secondary. But how many times do they throw to the middle of the field? If they're doubling Schuster, someone's got to be open. Darius Rogers is open. Spread the field, and that's one thing they haven't done. We talked about the middle of the field. How many years have I been talking about the middle of the field? Every single year, as far as the use of the tight end, a large receiver, uh, a large receiver like a tight end, which they are receiver type of tight ends. They're not the mammoth guys that block the off-tackle play. Utilize them in a slot. Utilize them where they outman somebody. We can get the quick pass to them. Maximum protect. Do things that give your quarterback a chance. You've got to adjust when you're getting your butt kicked. At least try to, to stay on the field. But nine straight three and outs? Are you kidding me? That's got to be some type of record. What do they punt, ten times? Ten punts. Holy Kai, that guy's got to put his leg in the whirlpool today. Coach, you know how many plays that USC offense ran in the Alabama red zone? One. I don't know. One. One play. So that's not a good, efficient offense, I would say. No, 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 no. And, and you know, I don't want to be. I am critical, I guess, but it's my opinion. you got to be critical. I mean, how could you how, not be critical about this? How many times have I said you don't learn at USC? You come there already as a doctor. You've had many surgeries. Would you like someone to do your heart transplant that's never done one before? Do you go to a foot doctor for a head surgery? I mean, let's go back. I could do this show for three hours, okay, <laughs> of how this all happened. That's why you've been listening to the show on Wednesday night, how this, the state of the program, why it is in the state of the program right now. And I'm not going to do it now. Right. But right. there's a reason for everything, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. It doesn't just happen. A chicken just doesn't lay an egg. There's a reason it lays an egg, okay? And that's the best way to say. We're gonna. I think we're gonna try to finish the show with that because we got a lot. It's like kind of the state of the program sort of comments, but we got a few more that we'll do, and then we'll jump into those. I'll, I'll probably read a bunch. Uh, well, actually, you know, we have a voicemail question. I want to. I'll play this one for you too, man. There's just so much to get to, Coach. Here, I'll I'll play this one for you. Get your thoughts. Don't try to do it all. Hey, Don't Ryan, it's Imani from Ryan. Koreatown, and I'm more relaxed this time. This question is for the coach. Coach, what did you think of the players and coaches who lined up after the beatdown the Trojans took to shake Lane Kiffin's hand, to give Kiffin hugs? It made me sick. Well, he made it to the point there. I hope he's feeling better today. <laughs> but uh, these are kids, okay? And kids uh, do funny things, as you know. Uh, I know it made you sick. Uh, uh, it's hard for me to comment on that. I feel, I feel sort of the, the same way. It's like you just got the butt kicked out of you. I'd run off field. I wouldn't even want to be seen. I'd probably wear a mask getting off the plane. Uh, thoroughly embarrassed. I'd be, I'd have it very, I'd be very difficult. In fact, I would have told the team, no, I, I don't know if I'd have told the team during the game, but after what happened, I'd have said, shake their hands and get the hell in the locker room. 
you have nothing to stand out there about. Even when, if you remember when John McKay got beat by Notre Dame, they got shut out, and he says, well, guys, take a shot if you need one. <laughs> this is a very similar type of situation, and I think the coaches feel the same way about themselves. I think that it was an embarrassing, it's not just a, one embarrassing thing for the players. I think it was an embarrassing for the coaches, the players, the university in itself, the fans, everyone. Everyone is sort of hanging their head today. Uh, how would you like to be someone that donates heavily to the university and you say, what am I getting for my dollar? Or if you go to work today, and people ask you all day, like I've been walking around all weekend and I can't go anywhere, I've got to hide because people want to ask me, what happened, coach, what happened, coach, what happened, coach? I can't say it anymore. I'm going to tell them, just listen to something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's something where the only way that you can uh, stop the bleeding is to win. And it's a very difficult situation to come back and play for Utah at 11 a.m. kickoff. Now, first of all, I don't know who decided on this time. But I'd have never played a game at 11 o'clock in the morning. I said, I don't want to be on TV. Especially a Pac-12 network, no one can see it anyway. I mean, if you can take it, they see it, that's great. That means you weren't going to the game anyway, okay? But the people that are going to the game, treat your fans where they pay so much money and donate so much money to go to a home football game, to have a tailgate, to enjoy the game. Playing at 11 a.m., are you kidding me? That is a slam to the program because, first of all, that means nobody wanted you on TV. Now, how do you feel about that being USC? Have you thought about that, people? Nobody wanted you as the... Uh, the TV game, even if you'd have beaten Alabama, it was already decided that they didn't want you on TV. So what is that? What's the state of the football program? So as someone who schedules those games, I'd have said, we're playing at 2 o'clock, and that's what we're playing, and we won't be on TV. And that's what I would have done, because maybe you'd have gotten more people to come to the game. I don't know how many people will come to that game after what happened. Not a lot. And it's unfortunate. But maybe more would have if you'd have played it at two. And maybe more would have if you didn't have it on that network. But that's a slam as far as watching it on TV, plus a slam that you're on the Pac-12 network, which is the last game selected that they get. So, ladies and gentlemen, I might be off a little bit if it's the last game. But I wouldn't have played that game at 11 o'clock being USC Trojan football. No, and I don't think there's going to be a lot of people there, Coach. There were so many people, so much excitement for the Alabama game. They were out in force in Dallas, and that just took the wind out of everyone's sails. I don't think you're going to see, you know, with the early time and the big loss. I just think that, you know, unless they come back and beat Stanford and or Utah, or, you know, it, I just don't see a whole lot of excitement right now. So, they got a lot of writing, the ship writing to do, and uh, we're going to talk some more about that. Matthew in L.A., he's Los Feliz Trojan. He wants to know, is there any kind of running game coordinator who is tasked with designing run plays? There doesn't seem to be. 
Uh, we seem to have two different running plays, off tackle or a pitch handoff to the outside. I can't remember the last time we did any kind of misdirection, draw play, or trap block. We did run a jet sweep, but of course it was one of the uh, earliest plays and hadn't been set up with any previous running plays. I uh, was strung out and stuffed. My biggest, biggest disappointment in the offseason, listening to your otherwise excellent podcast with the sheepish, uh, the sheepish admission that the offense wasn't really that different from the grab bag roulette wheel game plans of the Sarkiffin era. Thanks for the podcast and fight on Matt in LA. Yeah, well, I agree with you. First of all, without having a mobile quarterback and running that offense, you never hold the backside. The backside just pursues right down the line of scrimmage. And whenever you play a team like Alabama and they're big and fast and strong, when you run laterally, they just go right down the line laterally with you. And when you turn up to run the ball, what do they do? They step across the line of scrimmage and hit you right in the nose. Well, that's what that's what they're doing. They're dominating the line of scrimmage. You never run at them. You don't know how to run at them. You know, fullback never carries the ball. You only hit about two holes in the whole hole offense. Your outside running game is the bubble screen, but you don't do any type of quarterback keeps or runs, which your quarterback certainly isn't the type of athlete that is the type that you're seeing now in major college programs like the ones Watson playing at Clemson. I mean, we can go through them all. And what Look what Hurts did to Alabama's offense when he came in there. You watch, he'll be the starting quarterback because they see what he does and somehow in their mind they will justify him being the starting quarterback. They will look at what he did right. They won't look at what the other quarterbacks did right. They'll look at what they did wrong until he came in because he will be their starting quarterback because they know that is now going to give them another dimension to their offense, make it better than what it already is. Well, what can USC do to make their offense better than what it is? You've got to have more balance. Like the jet sweep, that doesn't really help any counteraction. You've got to set up things to be able to run a bootleg and counteraction. You've got to be able to run north and south rather than east and west before you get to the line of scrimmage. And I've said this all the time. And you guys are probably sick of me saying this type of stuff. But, you know, what can I say? Stanford and Michigan has taken the USC philosophy of the past they made it their number one thing, and USC has now left that type of style of football and gone to what everybody else does in trying to beat USC with something that's fancy, like Oregon did when USC was on the sanctions and all that stuff. And that's another story in itself on on how this all happened. You know, this is this doesn't happen overnight. This happens over a period of time, and it's it certainly got there now. It's I mean, this has been a major earthquake. Uh, international question. Mike in, uh, from Toronto. First, he was kind of criticizing, I'll just paraphrase, that, uh, of the media reports. He, he said that led fans to believe that this was a team that turned a corner and was a legit top 25 team. And, you know, talent wise, I still think it is. And that's why it was put there. But if you listen to my podcast before the show, I told, I told you Alabama, I thought Alabama would cover this game. I don't think there was any sugarcoating of what's going on. And Coach Hyde has been critical of some of the decisions. And I think those decisions, bore fruit on Saturday and you saw what the results were. But he also said, um, given that momentum is a big key in college football, USC had the ball around mid- midfield and went for it on fourth down uh, in the first quarter. Why? They had the lead field position and Bama's offense was struggling. Let Bama start from their 10 as opposed to USC's uh, midfield. And this is the third loss in a row 
where coaching in-game decisions would come into question. Thanks for you guys uh, for asking tougher questions and reporting the same. We're in for one long season, uh, Mike in Toronto. So Mike has some questions about the in-game decisions, Coach. Well, Mike, I think you could tell. I, I think they did. They weren't sure what they wanted to do, okay? They didn't have any timeouts left because they decided to burn them all in the first quarter. That's something that's pretty unique when you're that disorganized where you have to – and, you know, excuse me for saying it that way, but what else would you call it? Burn your timeouts in the first quarter? Are you kidding me? Back-to-back timeouts when you can't get in what you're decide what you want to do. You decide what you want to do plays in advance. You tell your coordinator in advance, hey, we're going to punt the ball or go for a first down in the situation or we're going to punt it or kick a field goal. You don't put it there at the last minute on things. They, they, you know, you got to be ahead in the game. You got to think ahead what you got to do. And I agree with you. You're playing great defense. You're playing great defense, and you can't continue to keep the defense on the field. And look at the positions they put defense, the defense in with the stu stupid penalties. I mean, stupid penalties, really. And what is Michael Pittman doing in covering the punt? He's a receiver. And how many times has he practiced tackling? He's a receiver. I mean, and now you burn a red shirt year on a punt coverage team? <laughs> Are you? I mean, where is now? John Baxter, I'm not criticizing his coaching ability, but I'm saying personnel-wise, save your players. Don't just play your players to play and then get a stupid penalty, and that costs them a touchdown. Then roughing stupid thing. I mean, stupidity. I mean, those type of things you can't do against a national championship team. You can't do that against a high school team and win. Burn your timeouts and not catch the, the ball. Don't try to punt the ball. Just fall on the ball. Throw an interception with two minutes and 36 seconds to go on the, whatever yard line it was, and they run it in for a touchdown. What are you talking about? Just doesn't work, and you're still kicking the ball out of bounds. Can't understand that on the kickoff. I mean, I, you've heard me talk about the kickoff team. Now, he did a good job kicking the field goal, okay? That's the only way. If he'd have missed the field goals, they'd have been shut out, okay? But, you know, but then he comes back on the kickoff and kicks it out of bounds. Well, I mean, please, these are things that got to be corrected way before that and and not have these type of things, especially against the number one team in the country. And you can't be paranoid over things. And uh, I don't know. I just think they got a lot of fumigating to do over there. And to get things straightened away, mentally, physically, who they are, how many times are we say on this show, who are you, what's your identity? Uh, right now, I, I don't know. If you ask me what offense they run at USC right now, how many years have I said, I don't know? And I still don't know. Defensively, I know what they run now. But uh, as far as offensively, I really don't have a clue. Yeah. Uh, well, that, that leads to our cut. Okay, so we have two final points I want to get to, and this is the most popular one. It's about coaching, and I think that I talked a lot about this on my solo podcast, Coach, where, um, and you mentioned it too, would you hire a, a you know, <laughs> a podiatrist to do brain surgery on you? You Hiring someone who's never done the job before, There's there's inherent risks with that, and I think most of the emails we were getting, uh, Mike in Rhode Island was, was critical. Jan Ukaipa, uh, Will, um, I mean, these guys are, you know, 
not real uh, happy with what's going on. Tory from Dallas, who went to the game with his dad, was very excited and thinks USC is irrelevant now. Um, we have some like Paul in, in Los Angeles, but he's uh, you know, he's he wants a more wait and see kind of thing. Um, but for the most part, coach, we're getting um a lot of uh and Sean from Kentucky wrote it. He called in too, but it was like a three minute voicemail. We can't play that, buddy. But most of it is very critical of the coaching staff and doesn't they a lot of them don't think that Clay Hilton should have been named in the first place. I think they were giving him a chance. He's now six and five as the head coach, oh and three as the permanent head coach. So there's a lot of criticism. So I want to play this voicemail too. It kind of sums up what a lot of the emails were. I think you can understand what the concerns were, and then we'll get your thoughts, Coach. Here we go. This is Richard from Toluca Lake. I'd like uh, Coach Hyde's perspective on Helton's first game as compared to both uh, Sarkeesian and Kiffin, and I'll even go back to Paul Hackett because it certainly seems to be a trend, and it seems that the athletic department, Pat Hayden, and now maybe Lynn Swan, rush to judgment. I think we're in for a long year, guys. I would like your perspective on that if you can do it. Thanks a lot, and fight on. Well, thank you. Uh, first of all, uh, Lynn Swan's in a very difficult situation because he's a new athletic director. He didn't hire either the football or basketball coach. He gave Somebody gave the basketball coach a, an extension, and he's coming on the job at his school he played at. Again, he doesn't have the experience to know exactly how to go through these type of things to deal with it, but he'll learn. I don't blame Clay Helton or his staff because someone gave him the opportunity and hired him and felt he was the answer. So if you are offered a $2.5 million or $2 million or a $1 million job for a five-year period, I think you'd take it too, and you'd be happy about taking it. And it's not that he's not a likable person. He's a real likable person. And I'm sure all the coaching staff are likable people. I don't personally socialize with any of them or meet them and you've never seen me interview any of them or any of the above because I don't want them to feel as though I'm their friend or their person I'm personally uh, you know trying to protect them or oversell them so I would think and I, I've said this a hundred times it goes back to the leadership of the college and the university Pat Hayden and whatever committee he had if he had a committee selected Clay Helton. He said he was the unanimous choice. I don't know. I think, Ryan, you said or tweeted out that the, the coach at Houston might have been a guy they might have wanted to interview since he graduated from Cal Lutheran and he's a Southern California guy. Somebody will say, oh, we asked him, but but he wasn't interested. Well, I don't know if you'd have asked him he wasn't the asked. right way. Yeah, I don't, I don't I believe mean, he was not asked. Well, he was not asked. Well, that is shows you the interviewing process. Yes. Okay? He had been at Ohio there State. There wasn't any. There wasn't any, Coach. They just decided on this. Yeah. So so what I'm saying, uh, this is like being in the White House. How many of you have been listening to me for the last 10 years or whatever? USC is considered the White House. Ohio State is a White House. Alabama is a White House. And who runs the country? Who runs the athletic department? It's got to be like a president. And currently, the decisions that have been made by the president, which was the athletic director, I don't want to use the name again, 
made the selection of this coach, made the selection of the past coach. After a thorough investigation of his background and winning record at Washington, he felt he was the guy and brought the baggage with him. And then he was the same guy that terminated a guy that was pretty determined to beat USC Saturday night in the airport. In the airport at 3.14 in the morning. You can fire anybody you want. Maybe he was deserving. But there's a way of treating people, human beings. And that's not the way you treat human beings. I've been a football coach. And I've been fired. And I'm saying it's the right for the guy to be able to fire you. But it's the matter that he has the respect for you and your family and your associate coaches, someone you've worked with in respect of a life and a career of a man on how you treat him. And I didn't see that. And then you have an interim coach, in Ed Orgeron, who everyone loved and felt he deserved an opportunity to at least try to carry on what, what he was doing and was somewhat, I was led on to think that he may be able to be the head coach. But during this period of time, I guess there was interviewing going on with another coach at another university where he really never got the chance to be the head coach and left the university in a very negative way, possibly splitting the team, a guy that died for USC, left. So there's been a lot of things happening that make these type of things happen. It isn't like something that's just happening. It's something that's been building up. You've got to look at the recruiting portion of it. You've got to look at the staff makeup. How many USC people are on the entire staff in the athletic department? Let's Swan, going all the way down. Then there's uh, some people in the athletic department that think they know, and that's the most dangerous person when you think you know and you really don't know, changing everything that's been going on. Look at the where the media stands at practice. Practice in a 15-yard piece of earth where you can't even see practice. I mean, really, please. Show a little respect or caring. Don't show the arrogance of this is what you're supposed to be doing. Well, this is all part of a process. And after a period of time, the termites eat the building away. And it's something that needs to be addressed. And it starts at the top. I'm talking about the regents, the president. All of this is something that, are people not aware of it? Are people pretending it's not happening? Please, it's happening. Everyone's talking about it. The nation saw it. There's a reason for it. It's not an accident. So how they solve it, I don't know. I don't get paid for solving it, okay? But that's somebody's job that's in a position to make those type of decisions. And I, that's what I'm going to end with today. All right. Um, so one, we're just a thought for the next game, coach, because we, you know, analyze this game. Obviously it was a disaster. Uh, the G wants to know for you, given what you've seen in the first game, what would you do 
as a head coach going into week two? Well, first thing I wouldn't do is beat myself, and I'd get a little bit more organized where I wouldn't burn my three timeouts in the first quarter. Have more of a, a philosophy of what we're there to do and work clearer together. It seems like it's completely disorganized, and I'm not talking about disorganized just on the field, but I think off the field too. And Ryan, I'm not getting into that. I'm not going to ask you to comment on that. I think you've got to get all people on the same page. And uh, realize that this team's coming to the Coliseum thinking they can beat you. Now, is there a player on the Utah State team that USC recruited? Ryan, you're in recruiting services. Is there? Uh, is, there a, um, so, uh, is there a player on the Utah State team that USC recruited? Yeah, I would say no. <laughs> All right. So if without, did, without looking through the roster, I would say no off the top of my head. Okay. Well, then I would say if you think you've got better talent than they do, because most of the people on this staff has been there a long enough period of time to know, and you consider yourself a football coach, you put together an offense and a defense and special teams, and you're paying this staff probably three times the amount or four times the amount the Utah State staff is making, then I would say that you should be a favorite. And I would say that in your home stadium, after an embarrassing loss, that you should want to go out there and amend things. Now, that's my challenge. Can you do that? We'll wait and see, and we'll see if it happens. But that's what I'm trying to explain to people. I mean, and I said this once before, when Steve Sarkeesian, I think, was the offensive coordinator or something for USC, or the head coach, I can't remember what it was. I said, when you're an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator, and so on, it's like, and I mentioned the White House, and you've heard me say this a hundred times, Ryan, before you fly Air Force One, you learn how to fly. You learn how to fly a smaller plane, then another plane, then another plane. And now you're flying the President of the United States, and you're damn good at what you do. At USC, USC is the White House. And everybody in the cabinet, in the athlete department, in the football department, coaching staff should be all of that same quality where you receive four times the amount any other assistant coach makes on some of the teams you're playing. And if you're not recruiting the same talent as some of the teams you play and you've got better talent according to your recruiting, then who should be the favorite and who should win? Then that's the way I look at it. And that's the way now that's my final answer because i got to go. All right, Coach. Great stuff. Uh, thanks for coming on and sharing all your insights. We really appreciate it, and we will talk to you next time. You got it, buddy. All right. Thanks, everyone, for sending in those questions. Hope we did them justice, and hope you enjoyed the show. We're going to have Dan Weber on. We'll probably do another solo podcast or some other guests. We're going to break this down. Look forward to what's going to happen next week and for the weeks to come. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, 
That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concerts, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 